0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Hey, hey, everybody. Here we go. Episode 44 is here for the announcer schedule podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gill along with Phil DeMott Mollen from at the Twitter handle. You guys have been following. Rate, review, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the whole nine yards. Happy to be back for episode number 44, Postmasters. Getting ready for the NBA playoffs. The NHL season is coming down the stretch and so much more. Phil, uh, April is here. We're getting into the heart of... Uh, The NBA now, this is uh, the playoff time. We just had the Masters MLB very busy for the announcers.
2: Yeah, NBA play-in tournament underway, which is, you know, kind of a a new development. We saw that, you know, last year as well, you know, the playoffs right around the corner, NHL playoffs around the corner as well. And, you know, Masters in the books, we've got, you know, the spring football leagues happening as well. USFL and XFL uh, will go head to head this weekend for the first time also. So, as always, a lot happening in the announcer world.
1: Yeah, real quick, uh, interesting on the NBA, the play-ins, how they're handling it with the announcers as opposed to, say, the play-in games in the NCAA tournament. The NBA is going like these are their A-teams. I mean, you had Mike Breen, Van Gundy, uh, Mark Jackson call the game uh, the other night. You had Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller calling the game. So they're going, uh, they're treating these play-in games like A-plus games the NBA was.
2: Yeah, and you know there there was a Iron Eagle game as well, you know, for that that Miami Heat game uh, for the the first part of the the play-in tournament and you know it is a little different because you know they're at at different sites and so forth, you know the that first four all happening in Dayton, but yeah, you know I think they're trying to generate more excitement for the play-in tournament. It's a little lukewarm. There was something kind of comical on uh inside the NBA on on TNT during one of the games where Barkley was like kind of dogging on the playing tournament games. Like they don't even matter. And these teams aren't going to, you know, go any further than, you know, this round and that kind of thing. And uh, Ernie Johnson kidded, Hey, you're not going to get a job in the, promotions department anytime soon for for warner brothers (laughs) discovery yeah and then barkley
1: barkley tried to reel it back like i never said not to
2: watch the games and uh no yes you did (laughs) yeah that's right so so it is you know and it's kind of i was watching a couple of the games and i guess it depends on the the city but it's not like it's a, a full out playoff environment at these games, it feels like you know. It feels a little bit like a regular season game where it's not like everyone's on the edge of their seat, you know, watching every single you know second. You know, it, you well, know. Keep I, in I mind a lot too,
1: the loser of that game is still alive somewhat, so it's not like a life or death, one game elimination type of thing. And by the way, you're playing for the right
2: to basically get your brains beat in in the first round. That's right. You know, the winner of the, yeah. the Chicago uh, Miami game will we'll match up against Milwaukee. What? And then the, you know, you you've got a you know, um in the in the other one, you're you're heading towards a, a tough opponent also in the West, you know, so in Denver. So it's gonna be uh interesting, you know, if any of these teams can last. But it is an interesting, you know, dynamic and you're right, you know, as far as the networks, you know, putting resources into it, you know, they're using the, the A teams and you know, bring in uh, their full production and all those uh, sort of elements. Yeah,
1: let's hear this Charles Barkley bite for the people out there. It was quite comical. Let's play, take a listen to Charles Barkley on uh, Inside the NBA.
3: The, the only thing that's exciting about the Eastern Conference is the Knicks against the Cavaliers. That's the only thing exciting. In America, don't be foolish. They want you to watch this game, Philly... Boston and Milwaukee are head and shoulders above the rest of these bombs in the Eastern Conference. Now, the Knicks and Cleveland, that could be a really good series. That could be the so Sixers. Saying, so you're saying the Celtics are going to sweep the Hawks. That's what you're saying right now. The this, this Hawks might win a game, but they can't beat the Celtics. And nobody can beat Milwaukee. I mean, the, the only question in the Eastern Conference, can my Sixers beat the Celtics? That's the only question in the Eastern Conference. And now you know why Chuck did not take that job with the Promotions Department. Of uh, Warner Brothers uh, Discovery. Telling people not to, 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 to play in and that yeah, these games yeah. don't matter and don't watch. Hey, okay. I didn't say don't watch. You did say don't yeah. watch. I did not say. You I said, said don't watch. I said, come on, man. Kenny, can anybody <laughs> beat the Celtics? No, you said don't Can anybody don't beat don't the watch. Celtics, the Bucks, or the Sixers? Yeah, the Hawks. Bet a billion.
1: <laughs> Good exchange there from the crew, which many people think in broadcasting that that is the standard for studio
2: show. Yeah. My, my question to you, Mike, is there any other personality on air personality who could get away with that other than Charles Barkley?
1: That's a good question. Maybe Stephen A. Smith, maybe if he said, Hey, these games stink to play and you don't even need to watch them, you know, but Barkley basically saying these games aren't, they want you to watch these games. They're not worth your time because nobody's beaten the Celtics, the Sixers and the bucks. But, uh, That is uh, the NBA playoffs. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let's go back to the Masters weekend. You know, this Masters was kind of interesting. Jim Nance, uh, who turned 64 in May, he just did the NCAA tournament for the last time. But the 38 Masters, his first back in 1986, he wants to go to the 51st Masters and take it a listen to—now, this Masters was all over the place with the weather, uh, but take it a listen to him. This is, to me— Phil, where, where where Nance is at his best, is the Masters because he loves it. This, to me, is where he excels as basically the voice of the Masters. On, Ron wins the Masters marathon. All right, there, you go. Rom wins the Masters marathon, Phil, and then almost just thirty seconds of, of, of clapping uh, afterwards. No other words needed uh, to finish that off.
2: Yeah, Nance has those signature calls. at you know, it seems like the end of of every Masters, and you know, letting it breathe, as we've talked about so many times. The production work, you know, always just absolutely top notch when it comes to to CBS. At the Masters, I didn't watch too much of the Masters weekend on TV directly. I, you know, was busy with family and the such, but was following along as far as all the the reactions go. I mean, obviously, you know, some some sentiment towards Nance coming off that that March Madness and 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 so forth, and how he you know feels right back at home at the Masters. Trevor Immelman in his debut as the lead analyst, so seemed like he was getting some some high marks as far as. know his performance also a lot of people were excited to see Vern Lundquist once again as part of the broadcast team who's who's pretty much retired and you know in all other uh areas of of broadcasting but you know the the big story of course this whole live golf deal and whether you know cbs was was covering it properly and even nance taking a a little bit of a a jab there at one point which is very out of character for nance you don't you don't see that side of him too often but yeah all in all you know and another successful masters for cbs they were able to to get it in on Sunday, despite all the, the weather issues. You know, Tiger Woods, you know, had, had his struggles, but it seemed like all in all, you know, the 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 Masters delivered yet again, you know, even even without Tiger in that final round.
1: Yeah, uh, he ended up uh, pulling out of the tournament, uh, and you mentioned Trevor Ibelman. I thought he did a really good job replacing Faldo was the first time uh, for him. He worked alongside Nance on the broadcast, and uh, I thought he had... Really good chemistry right off the bat. And I thought, you know, if you looked at the reviews out there, uh, Immelman was getting a lot of praise, including from broadcasters. I mean, other people in the industry were giving him a lot of kudos. But I thought he was very knowledgeable, very insightful. I thought he and, – and at the end of that tournament, I thought he really added um, a, a lot to the tournament. So I thought uh, Immelman on this first Masters call um, really added to the broadcast. So – I thought that was a really good debut for him. I watched a lot on Sunday, and uh, I, I really was saying, you know what? Because uh, I liked Faldo. I, I was a big Faldo guy, and I was wondering how Immelman was going to fit in there. But I thought he was a very good compliment to uh, Nance on this one. And you heard on the last call there, you know, uh, the, marath- the Masters Marathon, Immelman didn't jump in. He didn't give any extra. He just let the thing breathe as well.
2: Yeah, you know, um, hat tip to the to the CBS management for making that decision to go with Immelman because he isn't like this huge household name necessarily. You're replacing Sir Nick Faldo, who who everyone knows, you know, and is that big name. But Immelman, you know, I was I wasn't that familiar with him when they when they made that announcement. I know he's been part of the, the CBS crew for for a few years now. But obviously, the management saw something in him as a broadcaster that prompted them to to make this higher and it looks like a good move. Also worth noting that Nance and Immelman did some PGA Tour events earlier this year. You remember, you know, even the the weeks of the NFL playoffs and and heading into the Super Bowl and that kind of thing, Nance was balancing PGA golf assignments as well and so he and Immelman have had the chance to to work together in these roles and uh, prepare themselves for the Masters. But good to see, you know, Immelman and a broadcaster who doesn't necessarily, didn't necessarily get the job because of some, you know, huge celebrity status able to to perform like this in the craft. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Nance taking
1: a little uh, shot at the live guys. He said, and there it is, right on the CW, the crosswalk on a Brooks Kepka shot. I thought that was a nice little jab there. Uh, but there was a lot of talk, as you hinted at, That CBS treated the live golfers differently, and I guess one wonders, because at the end of his round, Phil Mickelson was at the top of the leaderboard, how would they have handled that if he had been a bigger factor late in that round? Because Phil, he is one of the more popular names in the golf world. He ended up fading, or uh, other golfers passed him, I guess. When he ended the round, it looked like, how are they going to
2: handle this? I thought that would have been very interesting. Yeah, it would have been interesting, and you know, Bremer Siasen had some some interesting words about you know CBS being in a tough spot here, and there's been all sorts of debate about it. But I, they may have dodged a bullet a little bit there yeah. with Mickelson not being there at the absolute end, so they would have to confront that head on.
1: By the way, speaking of Jim Nance, I don't know if you heard the uh, most recent Jimmy Trina podcast, The Sports Illustrated. Uh, media podcast with Jimmy Trina. Uh, Jim Nance was the guest this week. I actually happened to listen to it this morning before we're recording this on Thursday. Did you hear any of the comments or seen anything about the backlash that uh, Tony Romo's been getting?
2: I, I have not seen that yet. Um, enlighten us. Yeah, he
1: he says I think there was a little bit of misinformation attempt there to portray him in a not-so-favorable light. It was very disappointing. For the life of me, I don't understand it. Tony is the best. He's the absolute best, and he's also one of my best friends. And when someone starts questioning our chemistry, there's an agenda there. There is nothing wrong with our chemistry. I have never had better chemistry with anybody in my career than Tony. So uh, he did get asked about what kind of relationship they have, and he did address it, and he said he thinks there's an agenda out there.
2: Well, that's one part of it, you know, the chemistry and the relationship that the the two of them have. And, you know, he may be, you know, I'm sure he he believes that and he's he's might be right in that regard. It doesn't change what we all witnessed as far as Romo's performance down the stretch in some of those games and, you know, him being a little bit checked out and all over the place. And, you know, that, that one moment I keep on thinking back of when he was – you know, on air and look like he was chewing some food and that kind of thing. I mean, these are these are kind of unacceptable, um, you know, instances for a broadcaster, especially at that level and especially with that salary and so forth. So, you know, we'll we'll continue to see, you know, the, the proof will be in the pudding as far as, you know, how Romo does, you know, next year and beyond. Yeah, uh, and there was the report
1: from Andrew Marshian of the New York Post at one point that CBS attempted to have an intervention with Romo, and basically CBS had said that intervention was a mischaracterization, and it sounded like Nance on this podcast, uh, Jimmy Traina's podcast, Sports Illustrated, basically insinuated that there was some misinformation out there regarding their relationship and maybe even that moment there. He says... What, uh, where was this outcry during the season? Tony's amazing. Don't ask everybody to be the same, by the way. Tony does it his own way. Tony has his way of watching a game, and it's fun. There's an excitement. It's real. Our friendship is real. So, you know, really uh, you know, putting out the defensive there for Jim uh, Dance, putting out the defense there for Tony Romo. Now, you mentioned it. Where was the outcry during the season? I think there was outcry during the season. I think people were noticing during the season, and then it got heightened in the playoffs where – their performance just was not what we expected for Romo. I'm certainly willing to give Romo another chance this season to see how, if he can recreate what seemed to be really good chemistry earlier in their relationship.
2: Yeah, and, and again, I don't see it so much as chemistry as I see it as Romo and those first couple seasons when he was fresh out of the league and he was able to predict all the plays and he knew all the the personalities and you know the ins and outs of you know all the teams throughout the league he was everybody's darling and they they had never seen an announcer quite like this and and clearly it's it's changed over the years. Well Phil, I you think know? that's
1: a good point you bring up. I don't think people are questioning the chemistry as much as they are the preparation from Romo. I don't think people are saying, man, these guys don't like you. Maybe some feel that Nance was maybe felt like, hey, I'm carrying you a little bit here, but I, I don't think that was the bigger issue more so than Romo just seemed not prepared. Not a lot
2: of depth to the analysis that that's right and in, in 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 turn sometimes nance had to fill in the gaps a little bit and yeah. and and so forth as we all we all saw so we'll see you know there there obviously are all sorts of inner workings and back conversations that were none of us are privy to even the 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 best you know journalists out there who are are covering this story closely but we'll we'll see and you know i think there is a distinction there you know i i I for one, am not questioning their chemistry or their friendship or yeah. anything like that. you know so so' we'll continue to to keep an eye on it and I'm sure it'll be a hot story and the microscope will continue to be on Tony Romo, you know, beginning this football season. Okay, the masters in the books, but uh, how about setting this up for us, Phil? A master's call
1: on a baseball game.
2: Yeah, Dan Hasty, who's the voice of the West Michigan Whitecaps, uh, a, a real great guy. He also does some some work for FS1, especially in sports like college softball and, and the such. And you know, every once in a while, we we get to talk about minor league baseball. It is such a great environment, you know, not just for you know the fans, but also for for the announcers who get the opportunity to to call these games. It's it's a a little more fun, a little more. Carefree, that kind of thing, than a lot of the the MLB settings, and plus it's just an an incredible training ground for so many announcers who who continue to to rise up the ranks, and you know eventually, hopefully, get that call up to to Major League Baseball. Well, Dan Hasty got uh, pretty creative, you know, with some poetic license here, and you know was able to tie in Jim Nance in in the Masters in a call of a West Michigan Whitecaps minor league baseball game.
1: Yeah, let's uh, take you to that uh, as uh, West Michigan. He calls it as if it were the Masters. Take a listen. Hello, friends. A beautiful Saturday afternoon in Comstock Park. This is inning number seven. Still in the front nine, if you will. Eric Pinales hails from San Cristobal. It's about 30 kilometers from Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic. Right now looking at a pitch from about 60 feet, six inches. No idea how that one stayed out. All right, so that's uh, Whitecaps announcer Dan Hasty announcing. Now, he announced the full at-bat if uh, you want to go check that out. But that's just a little glimpse of what the at-bat sounded like there. And uh, he calls the entire at-bat as if it were... The Masters, so having a little fun, and I believe Dan has had some major league experience. I think he has been called up to fill in for the Tigers, everyone uh, here or there, maybe once or twice. But I think Dan has had a major league call.
2: V- very cool, yeah. Just, just really fun stuff, and the way he was able to mix the the music there as well, and even as he was describing, you know, each of, each of the the players and uh, where they're from. Just really well done and, um, you know, hat tip to Dan Hasty getting that one done.
1: Yeah, very cool. A little uh, inventive there to throw that into uh, the actual broadcast. All right, let's get over to the NBA playoffs, which the play ins continue tomorrow night. We're recording on Thursday. There's no game tonight, which is very interesting to me. Thursday is like the NBA's night. They have no games on Thursday. They're playing on Friday and then making these teams then play, you know, again on Sunday without really knowing where they're going or who they're playing or all this stuff. But um, I will say this, and this is maybe for next week's podcast. I'll go into a little deeper. But the NBA not playing Thursday for the playing game, but playing on Thursday up against the NFL draft. I don't get it at all. I see the Sixers in our market have to play Thursday night if it goes to the sixth game up against the NBA draft. This happened last year, and why would the NBA choose to go up against the NFL draft if they don't have to? I don't understand it. They're not playing Thursday night in the play-in round, but they're going to play Thursday night against the NFL draft. That's just a little uh, sore spot for me. But, Phil, we do have the NBA play-in games. They continue Friday night. Uh, Chicago's going to play Miami. Brian Anderson, Stan Van Gundy, Chris Haynes on ESPN Radio, Sean Kelly and Corey Alexander. Uh, I felt interesting that ESPN Radio did not do the Tuesday games. They did the Wednesday games, and they're doing the Friday games, but they did not do the early Tuesday games, which had the bigger teams. They had Miami and had the Lakers uh, on Tuesday night, and they chose not to do those.
2: Yeah, I'm not not sure exactly that the reason there sometimes logistics and travel and things like that might might come into play also but yeah, you mentioned the the Thursday night, you know, we're we're taping the the program on Thursday and this will be released on Thursday tonight as, as we we're, we're talking now. There's only two NHL games as far as national television inventory, you know, on the you know the final um week of the season of the NHL. There's no NBA, you know, there's there's no national television television of MLB games. It seems like it's there for the taking this uh, Thursday night, but for whatever reason, you know, and part of it is this play in tournament format and the the travel and so forth of the teams is how it's laid out. And yeah, you mentioned, you know, down in, in Miami, Brian Anderson, Stan Van Gundy, and Chris Haynes will be the, the TNT announcers. That's a different crew than what we saw on the, uh, earlier game the Tuesday game at Miami uh, which was and Eagle Jim Jackson and, and Jared Greenberg uh, so in in as of this taping I haven't seen an announcement in terms of the TNT announcers this weekend so some of this again it might be letting it play out a little bit as far as who's playing who and then sort of late in the game deciding Who's going where, which, which is sort of interesting. But yeah, TNT and ESPN uh, radio on Thursday night, along with an ESPN game in a, in a second ESPN radio game. And then the playoffs get going in earnest on Saturday, April 15th.
4: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? <laughs>
1: Yep, uh, and then Saturday on the 15th, you got a 1 o'clock game, Beth Moens, J.J. Redick, Redick, and Monica McNutt. That's an ESPN game. 3.30, the play-in winner will play the Celtics. Ryan Rucco, Richard Jefferson, Ross Gold, and Wuday. Uh, and Ryan Rucco, who we gave some props, he called the women's final, and is also the Nets play-by-player. He's going to get this game with the Celtics. Knicks, Cavs, ESPN, Dave Pass, Hubie Brown, and Cassidy Hubberth. That's a 6 o'clock game on ESPN. ESPN Radio has the game. Our friend Mark Kestesher, who's been a guest of the podcast, he'll have the ESPN Radio call with P.J. Carlissimo. And then at 8.30, ABC, Mark jones Burke, Malika Andrews. Uh, Malika getting out of the studio, doing some sideline work there. And uh, 8.30, Warriors-Kings. It's the first time the Kings have been back on television, national TV. I think they said in like 16 years uh, that the Kings will be back on uh, national TV. So, Uh, They'll get a little limelight Sunday, 3 o'clock. They got the Lakers and Grizzlies. That's Breen, Van Gundy, Jackson, Salters, their number one team there. And on the radio side, Sean Kelly and Corey Alexander. And a little interesting note about Sean Kelly. I went back and looked through his schedule. I've only seen Sean call two games uh, this NBA season for ESPN Radio, yet he's getting this big Lakers-Grizzlies series. So kudos to Sean Kelly, and Corey Alexander has been his partner on every single one of those games.
2: Yeah. So Sean Kelly, you know, obviously made his mark with ESPN radio prior to being named the voice of the, the Florida Gators, which is beyond just doing football games for the Gators. You know, he did a full men's basketball season as well, has all sorts of other work when it comes to being like the voice of a, of a college team, you know, you get called to do MC duties and and all those kinds of things. But I think it's a testament to the work that Sean had put in, you know over the years with ESPN radio that they they trust him in this spot and that's a big matchup Lakers and Grizzlies that's that's the one that everybody's watching yeah. all sorts of star power and so forth Corey Alexander his partner we've talked about him before you know just how busy he's been throughout this this basketball season um not just uh, NBA ESPN radio assignments such as this but I mean, he did a ton of NCAA basketball games um across the ESPN platforms then back to a couple of those Saturday games of note, you know, you mentioned Warriors Kings and all the excitement in Sacramento. There, Mark Jones is the when he's not doing national television is the television voice of the Sacramento Kings. So, kind of interesting note there that he's going to be doing the Warriors Kings game on on ABC. You know, in a very familiar environment for for Mark Jones. And then you mention Hubie Brown. It can't be overstated enough just how remarkable uh, Brown is in, in his career. Eighty-nine years old will turn 90 in September. And, you know, once again, another playoff series for for Hubie Brown working with Dave Pash.
1: Very cool stuff. Yes, Hubie's still going strong and uh, some Sixer ties to him as well. Sacramento back in. Should be some fun playoffs. Looking forward to the playoff series. By the way, Sacramento Kings, uh, their TV play-by-player Kyle Draper, uh, they're getting to the playoffs for the first time in a long time uh, for the local side as well, which gets those first-round games. You get the first-round games locally still uh, for the playoffs, and then they go all to the national.
2: Yeah so so Draper and Jones split those duties on the television play-by-play side for the for the Sacramento Kings and, and you're right as far as you know the the local broadcast being able to to televise these these first rounds and then also worth mentioning Gary Girard. You know, and, and, uh, you know, he hit a big milestone earlier this season. And and it's got to be a a thrill for him to be able to, you know, uh, continue with the Kings through this playoff run on the radio side.
1: All right. Uh, NHL playoffs coming soon. We had Sean McDonough on last week. We also had Mike Monaco on last week. So if you missed our conversations with Sean and Mike They're calling NHL games down the stretch. Mike Monaco actually has a game tonight, if you're listening to the podcast, on Thursday. It's Kraken Golden Knights. He tweeted out what a great city for his final broadcast. He's in Seattle, where the Kraken are, and uh, we'll have John Butchergrass on the early game at 8 o'clock. So, uh, final regular season games Tonight the NHL playoffs will be on ESPN, ESPN2, ABC, TNT, TBS. Uh this is the second year of that new meteorites rights deal. So, NHL down the stretch they come.
2: Yeah, and the playoffs right around the corner. They start Monday, April 17th, so so Monday of the this coming week and we'll see action on, you know, the Turner networks as long along with ESPN. The Stanley Cup this year will be on TNT. That doesn't start till the start of June. So we've got all sorts of playoff action. And it's gonna, you know, take a while. It's gonna be an interesting journey, but all sorts of excitement. People love to see some of these national radio presence was uh last night as we're taping. John Forsland, who was our very first guest on the on the, the podcast, and uh Nick Olchick were the announcers for that one. So we'll continue to keep an eye on, on Sports USA as well as they uh continue to use some of their inventory on the nhl
1: all right uh and speaking of hockey let's go to the frozen four uh which has
2: a very unique setup yeah the frozen four which was down in tampa of all places and actually we talked to sean mcdonough if you recall mike you know sean was you know heading down to to Tampa to to check out some of the frozen four not on assignment to announce the games but as a as a supporter of Boston University and was heading down there to to check things out and you know that that's cool that you know he he's that involved to to do that kind of thing and make that kind of sacrifice but yeah it was I thought this year, compared to years past, and you know, this is very anecdotal for me, that the frozen four got more attention than it has in, in years past. I just felt like it was more part of the, the consciousness than what we've seen before. You know, there was coverage on you know ESPN, Westwood One had a crew there as well. And then the what's interesting about the frozen four to me is there's some brand names in terms of or you know, lesser no brand names. You know, in terms of college hockey, that you're not used to seeing because they they don't have a presence in major college basketball or college football and that kind of thing. So you see a school like Quinnipiac, you know, in the finals taking on Minnesota with a chance to win it all.
1: Yeah, you know, I feel like the non the traditional non revenue sports are starting to gain more um, inventory on these major outlets as they look for live sports and they're finding ways to get these, you know, I think you're going to see women's gymnastics and volleyball and a lot of those contracts are coming up. And I think women's basketball put these non, um, you know, traditional events on the map that women's basketball tournament, I think is going to end up breaking away from and getting their own TV deal. Cause I think the women's tournament is part of a deal that includes all these other non-revenue sports. So you're starting to see the only thing people fill are watching on TV are live sports. So these outlets are trying to find more ways to get live sports on um, on on their networks, right? I mean, that's yeah. what
2: they're trying to do. And I I think what people are realizing is they bring a lot of excitement too when you're when you're when a championship's on the line and these. You know, student athletes are are the best at their craft at that age, and they're going for a championship in whatever the sport might be, whether it's hockey or gymnastics or volleyball or softball. It's exciting stuff, and, you know, I think fans are starting to realize it more and more. I'm glad to see this across the board. Lacrosse is another great example, and, you know, it continues to elevate these sports and and give them more – of the spotlight. And at the same time, like you said, it's inventory for the programmers to, you know, continue to, you know, be able to uh, make profits out of live sports programming, not to mention, you know, the ability to to stream so many of these games across, you know, ESPN plus and in that kind of thing. I mean, talking about giving you inventory and giving viewers a bunch of options when you take it, we talked about it during college basketball season, how many games we had access to you know, on ESPN Plus and that kind of thing. When you mix in all these other sports, college baseball, college softball, lacrosse, volleyball, you know, you name it, wow. I mean, we're talking a lot of live sports programming, and ESPN and others are taking advantage of that.
1: Yes, uh, and by the way, let's give uh, Matt Mungno and Eric Zank the call as Quinnipiac wins the Frozen Four. Here you go.
0: And here we go. The draw, the York Hill boys on the ice. And they're up against Nevers, Nelson, and Bryce Brodzinski. Quillin against Nelson. Quillin Puck goes into the Bobcats bench and we'll have another draw at center ice. Two seconds off the clock. It's not about time. Well, it is about time and space, but it's not about time on the clock. It's not about... If you can escape a period, you have to win the game by making the play, scoring the goal. That's it. I mean, you know, we talk all game long about it being a defensive-minded game, defense first, and that doesn't change because... You have up one Looking goal. Looking in a pass. A move it!
4: They score! They score! Jacob Quillen has won the national championship for the Quinnipiac Bobcats! The first in their history! The Bobcats have done it all! They slain the Dragon! The Bobcats are going to Hampton! National champions! The 2023 national champions are the Quinnipiac Bobcats! Oh, have mercy!
0: Have mercy! They've defeated the Minnesota Golden Gophers off the draw. Quillan beat it close on a forehand back two on one. National champion.
1: To say he was excited would be an understatement, Phil.
2: Yeah, you know, great to see that <laughs> from the student broadcast team. We've talked about student broadcasters before. What a what a cool opportunity for them to to have that moment to call their their team's national championship (laughs) and yeah, the, the excitement level, you know, just off the charts, uh, down there in Tampa and yeah, Quinnipiac, you know, how many people know, you know, about Quinnipiac and, you know, these other schools and in hockey and, you know, some of the other sports we mentioned do have sort of, you know, these non-brand names and, you know, I'm just taking a look now at, you know, the the final top 25 for, for NCAA hockey, listen to these names of of some of these schools, Quinnipiac, Boston university, St. Cloud state, denver um you know some of the ivy league schools are in there merrimack alaska uh university of omaha you know these are are hardly brand names when it comes to you know power five type you know college football that that we're all used to you know uh, talking about those those big schools so it's great to see schools like this also get their brands out there and you know we We've heard about it with different examples over the years. Florida Gulf Coast comes to mind. Gonzaga comes to mind, you know, in the the NCAA tournament. This actually helps the bottom line for these these colleges. Admissions go up when there's a championship like this, and there's national television coverage to, you know, complement it. So, hey, congratulations to Quinnipiac. I'm sure their phones are continuing to, to ring off the hook. And, hey, congrats to that student broadcasting team for getting done uh, you know there on the national championship call as well
1: all right let's get to baseball as we uh, finish off here on episode 44 of the announcer schedules podcast uh Brandon golden who uh, got that Braves job gets a opportunity to get a big call early in his tenure uh with the Braves as uh Brandon golden gets a walk off let's get that to you here on the announcer schedules podcast for Brandon Wesley
0: 배지환 오 들어올렸습니다. 자 크게 나와
1: 오중강
4: 넘어갔습니다. 배지환의 끝내기!
2: 이야 이런 코란딩이 나오네요. 와
1: 해적선을 승리를 움직이는 선수 다른 대한민국의 배지환입니다. 이야
2: 이 해적선은.
1: Uh, that was obviously the Korean TV call uh of a walk off for the Pirates beating the Astros there not Brandon Gauden's finest work there uh obviously no we're just kidding but yeah that was a Korean TV call of uh won Bae's walk off homer as the Pirates beat the Astros uh to start the season off
2: Yeah, that's right uh you know our, our apologies for the, for that little mix up there but yeah First, Brandon Gawden, you know, he's had a couple of walk-offs. He not only called this uh, extra inning walk-off winner over uh, uh, the Reds that Sean Murphy hit, but he hit um, uh, had a walk-off earlier this season as well. Uh, Orlando Arcia had that walk-off over the Padres. So what a hot start for Brandon Gaudin. And, you know, I'm friendly with a bunch of Braves fans, and – it's been pretty much unanimous as far as their approval rating of Brandon Gauden, you know, in these early goings uh, with that that big news of Chip Carey leaving the Braves to the Cardinals. we were wondering who was going to you know, fill his shoes. There was a, a bunch of names reported and then Brandon Gauden ultimately able to get that job and, you know, just wild stuff you know, in terms of the start that he's had, you know, getting to call a couple of these extra innings. Jeff Francoeur is typically his analyst, which is you know been been a good fit as well. And you know, certainly Francor, uh knows his way around the, the booth, and you know, so- not only does the Braves, but also some national work. And then we, you know, heard that the Korean TV call as well of the Pirates walk off over the Astros, Jaiwan Bay, uh, just absolutely wild stuff there. So between Quinnipiac students, uh, Korean television, and Brandon Gauden, um, all sorts of, you know, um, buzzer beaters, walk-offs, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we love providing those here on the announcer schedules podcast.
1: Yeah, I know that, um, you know, Brandon Gauden, a familiar name with the NCAA tournament, but let's hear that uh, first walk-off call if we could. And Derrick Law's first pitch is hit to center field. Friedle back. Still good. That ball is gone. Shot. At Bally Sports, that is Sean Murphy's first homer uh, as a Brave. It's a walk-off, and Brandon Gaudin on the call for Bally Sports. You heard it here on the announcer's schedule podcast. Yes, now Brandon didn't all of a sudden start to speak Korean for us here, but uh, (laughs) both exciting calls here on the podcast. Uh, MLB this weekend, first Friday for Apple TV. Phil, they're back.
2: Yeah, well, well, we actually saw Apple TV last weekend as well, but it is, um, you know, week two, Giants and Tigers will be uh, Alex Faust on the the play-by-play there along with Ryan Spilbrows and Trisha Whitaker, the reporter. And then going up pretty much right against it, you know, 30 minutes later will be the first pitch of Angels and Red Sox, Wayne Randazzo, Dontrell Willis, and Heidi Watney. Last week, you know, for whatever reason, I'm imagining it might have been some – you know logistics or travel and that kind of thing. You know Randazzo is also the voice of the Angels now, so this is actually very convenient for him. You know Angels at Red Sox, he just sticks around and and calls the rest of the series. I would imagine afternoon this game on Apple TV Plus. But last weekend he did not do the game, rather paired with Dontrell Willis was Rich Waltz, who is a familiar name on the podcast here. And that was a reunion of sorts because Rich Waltz and Dontrell Willis go back to their Marlins days when when Waltz was the longtime play-by-play voice on television for the uh, Miami Marlins. And, you know, Dontrell Willis not only had that stellar playing career down there in Miami, but also uh, has emerged as a broadcaster with his roots down there in Miami. But you know, we'll we'll continue to see uh, Apple TV Plus and and how they tend to do, I didn't see all the the comments that we saw this time last year, as far as, you know, the, the booth goes with Apple TV plus, Uh, but then again, you know, we're, we're just getting started in this process and sometimes it has to circle around to, you know, some of the, the, uh, the big name teams and the big market teams being on the air, the Red Sox will be on the air on Friday night. So we'll see, you know, as far as the Red Sox uh, fan base goes of, you know, what kind of Hemming and Hall, and we might hear from them. It does require a subscription now, which is is a factor also. So we'll continue to keep an eye on the Apple TV Plus package for MLB. Yeah, that's different. Last year, you could
1: have watched, even if you didn't have Apple TV Plus, if you just logged on to the app, they basically let you do it. This year, you must now have Apple TV Plus. So if your team only plays that one random game on there, you're going to have to get Apple TV Plus to watch that game, right?
2: Yeah, or fi- find a uh, password from somebody, right?
1: <laughs> yes, you didn't hear that from us. All right, uh, let's get to, uh, by the way, ESPN Radio Saturday has uh, the Twins and Yankees. You've got Sunday Night Baseball. It's back with Carl Ravitch, Eduardo Perez, Dave Cohn, Buster Olney. you got the uh, K-Rod cast with Michael K and Alex Rodriguez. you got ESPN Radio, former guests of the podcast Mike Cousins and Doug Glanville calling that one. Uh, Michael Kay, by the way, I don't know if you caught this, doing the play-by-play for Yes,
2: called out the poor bat boy the other night. Did you hear that whole exchange? I did hear all that exchange, and I've seen some of the the reaction to it. Um, I'm not a fan of the, the Yankees' policy to begin with. I think it's pretty uh, antiquated and, and a little ridiculous in in this day of age, but yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Um, I guess it made for some 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 good TV there and and whatnot, but I I do I do feel for the Bat Boy. How about yeah. that? Well, he was a Batman. It, it looked like uh, he, he didn't seem to. Well, I
1: don't know. I mean, the longer hair and the mustache made him look older. Maybe he could be a 13 year old kid with a mustache and long hair. But uh, Michael K called him out. If he said, if the players have to do it, so too does the Bat Boy. Uh, all right, let's finish up with some football. Yes, there is football. Uh, now the USFL different from the XFL and you mentioned earlier in the podcast they're gonna go up against each other this week
2: yeah the XFL will continue through the the rest of April usFL meanwhile season two for them uh week one and you know we will get that action going on Saturday uh there's a couple games on Big Fox so you know not relegated to, to FS1 or FS2 in, in this case uh, it'll be on the the big network uh former guest of the podcast Kevin kugler. Uh, on the call on that one, along with Mark Sanchez and, you know, Devin Gardner will be down there on the sidelines. I've gotten the chance to work with Devin quite a bit, you know, on the college football side. He, he's a real up and comer um, in terms of his broadcasting skills. And then in prime time on Saturday night on Fox generals at stallions, uh, Kurt Menefee, Joel Clatton, Brock Keward. And then there's action on Sunday as well. So, you know, Fox and NBC in, in the case of the, the Sunday game, I mean, they're giving some some really big time time slots and and some some real, um, you know, love here as far as this TV package goes with the USFL. So we'll see how it does ratings wise now that it's competing uh, basically head to head against the XFL also. And, you know, we'll we'll continue to keep an eye on this. And, you know, like like you sort of mentioned with the play in games, the the networks using big name announcers, you know, uh, on these crews also, which which is a further testament that, you know, it, they feel like it's worth their time.
1: All right, uh, there you go. Football is back, USFL, XFL. Uh, by the way, you mentioned, you know, Kevin Kugler is on the call uh, on the one, and, and you, know, you know, Kurt Menefee, who's obviously the, the uh, pregame for Fox NFL Sunday. So uh, the USFL bringing out some big names for their broadcast as well. We'll see how this all turns out with an XFL, USFL schedule going at the same time, uh, what that means for viewership. But what it does mean is more broadcasters, and that's what we're looking at here on the announcer schedules podcast. Don't forget, rate, review, subscribe. If you can leave us a comment, uh, Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us, let us know what you think. Uh, give us a comment. Give us a plus. Uh, if you're going to give us a minus, don't do that. That's out of the question. We don't want any of those. But it definitely helps when you can give us comments in the comment section if you rate, review, Only five stars. That's the only thing we're asking for. Five, four, no good, three, horrible, two, we don't want you, one, boo. Only five-star reviews here on announcer schedules. We're back next week with episode 45. we got some great interviews coming up. If you missed any of our back interviews, go check out the archives. Mark Zumoff, who, by the way, I listened to the full podcast with J.J. Reddick. It was outstanding. I listened to the full podcast with Kate Scott, who we hope to get on the podcast in the future as well. That was really revealing. So check out our conversation with Mark Zumoff, uh, Sean McDonough. I wish we had more time, but he was so great in the 15 minutes. We had him, so it's a quick listen for you. Mike Monaco, a new voice on the scene. He's got NHL. Go listen to that conversation. We've got other stuff. we got the... Kentucky Derby is going to be coming up here. Go back and listen to our conversation with Larry Culmis, which was one of my favorite ones that we've ever done. That is back on this feed as well. Uh, we've got John Forslund with the hockey playoffs getting ready. He was the first conversation we had. The basketball playoffs, we've had Mark Kesscher on. Uh, so go back to the podcast feed and go listen. These are evergreen type of conversations. They Uh, If you're a broadcaster, these conversations will tell you about how these guys got into their positions, where they started, their travel, all of that kind of stuff. We don't talk about what game they're calling, so there's a lot of evergreen content here that you can go back and listen to these at any time. All right, for Phil, I'm Mike. This is episode 44 of the announcer schedules podcast on last word on sports. We'll talk to you guys right here on the podcast next week.